We're unabashedly obsessed We've got to get it off our chest Please sit there and be quiet Hey everyone Hello Welcome to another episode of Unabashedly Obsessed I am James I am Aaron On our show we like to talk about (laughs) things related to pop culture And not so pop culture This week we're talking about something that is Let's call it related to pop culture. Yeah, I it's think a so. po- book by a popular author. Uh huh. We're ta- Do we have any no context corrections? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, we're talking. No, we, we turned our no context corrections into a whole other episode. Right. Um. So we're talking about Gwendy's Button Box by yeah. Stephen King and Richard Chismar. Yeah. So everyone listening to this, I'm assuming, knows who Stephen King is. Yes. Because we talk about him a lot. Right. Because we're big fans. Yes. Number one. Number one fans. fans. Um, nope. We certainly are not, Mr. We, King. We are not. We, he can't hear that. He's in our basement. Our basement? Our basement? We have a house together that I didn't tell you about. <laughs> I laughed out name. loud on the great albums when you said that this podcast is something that you do with your friend Aaron and it's kind of our baby. And then you were like, that's a really weird thing that I just said. I'm like, yes. Because my first thought was... Really? That's how you're gonna phrase that? Well, because I said it was that it's my it's my baby with my friend Aaron. Wait, what? <laughs> and that was exactly what my brain did. I was like, did I just? And then you cur- you were like, that was weird. I'm like, yes, yes, it was weird. Um, but so Gwendy's button box, yes, is the second newest book with Stephen King's name on it. He he and his son Owen just released Sleeping Beauties. I think this week. I think I think that's right. I think it's yeah. Well, not today, but last. This past week, yeah. This past week, yeah. So, um, yeah, so we've interacted with Richard Chismar a little bit on Twitter. Um, He seems like a very nice guy. I had not heard of him until Gwendy's Button Box. But I don't, I mean, as as we all know, until I started doing this podcast, I didn't read a lot of horror. And he seems to mostly be a horror and dark fantasy writer. Okay, Okay. I have a little bit of biographical information, if you would like it. I would, no, let's skip it. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... He is the owner of Cemetery Dance Publications. Okay. And he's the publisher and editor of Cemetery Dance Magazine, which is a magazine of, like, dark fantasy and horror stories. Okay. And I think that's kind of, This is all coming from, like, the Wikipedia page. So, uh-huh. Richard, if you're listening to this and I'm getting it all wrong, blame Wikipedia. Right. And go change Wikipedia because that's the thing. maybe also me a little bit for not... Doing further research. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? Go to the library? I could go to his website. Oh, okay. That's a that's a good. <laughs> but I'm point. assuming that everything on Wikipedia is probably also on his website. I'm I'm hoping that whoever did the Wikipedia page had the foresight to not just make shit up. I mean, completely. Wikipedia does get a rap for like you can just make up whatever, but like there are some. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, so Richard Chismar, um seems from what i can tell to have done primarily short stories he's got a few short story collections um midnight promises monsters and other stories and then a long december uh-huh. which came out in 2016 um he also has there's this series that he i guess contributes to slash is the editor of okay it's the shivers series oh there's i've like, heard of those there's like eight or nine books in it there's a bunch of shorts. They're like short story collections by various authors. Stephen King has some like almost impossible to find anymore stories that have been published in those. 
are the like are they the, were originally published in magazines like back in the 70s and you can't find them anymore but now they're in some of these shivers books can we get those yeah okay they're yeah. i mean you can order them uh, some of them are they're not all like you know brand new prime shipping some of them are third-party sellers huh and I, th- I feel like the first one was going for like 50 bucks Ooh. which is a little steep for a paperback for me yeah but my wallet shivers yeah I mean, not well. That was, okay. That was a dumb thing to say. You want me to cut it? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, so he's also written a lot of screenplays. Okay. Many with. Many? Many. Yeah, a bunch. Apparently he and, and, okay, so Wikipedia says that the last name is pronounced Skek. Jonathan Skek. Who many of you may know. I've never heard that. I've always heard Sheck. Yeah. And I probably could have, again, done my research. But I was doing the, I was doing this research while my kids were at swim class today. And I did not have time to, like, tweet anybody and be like, hey, how do you pronounce your name? That thing you do said that it rhymes with, I don't remember. I think it's Sheck. I, th- I have always it's... heard Sheck. And, again, Wikipedia is written by any random idiot with a keyboard. So, <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Sheck. It's totally pronounced, you know, Jones. Jonathan Jones. <laughs> spelled Sheck. Jonathan um, Jones sounds like a superhero's alter, alter ego. Jessica Jones's twin brother. Oh. I, I don't know. I haven't seen that's Jessica an, Jones. That would be an interesting plot twist. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so he... It, I know him primarily as Jimmy from That Thing You Do. Sure. He's been in a bunch of other things. He's written a ton of screenplays, but that is what I know him yeah. from right. primarily. Um, but yeah, apparently they, I mean, you know, Richard told us on Twitter that they grew up together. Yeah. Yeah. So. They, and then he posted and, pic- a picture as evidence. Yeah. And yeah. So they've uh, written a bunch of stuff together, apparently, including. Yeah. An adapt a screen screenplay adaptation of Stephen King's From a Buick Eight, which has yet to be made. They had directors signed on, but I think both of the directors who had like somebody had signed on, and I'm drawing a total blank on his name. He's like the like the big zombie guy, Romero, okay. George Romero. Okay, yes, yeah, yeah, was signed on, but then he passed away. Right, and then somebody else who I was vaguely familiar with the name, but there's no way I'm going to pull it right now, had signed on, but I think he also passed away. So, yeah. so yeah. So that is my little... Um, Do you think that it's because they haven't gotten picked up by the directors because people are like, I'm not doing eighth in a series. Oh, man. <laughs> Maybe. I haven't read from a Buick 8. I haven't either. I have I, it. The co- I bought it at the library book sale this weekend. The cover makes it look like it's like Christine 2. Yeah. But, but maybe prob- it's not. Probably not. I think in my head, I pick. I just assume that it's Mile Eighty One. Oh, that short story oh, from maybe. Bizarre Bad Dreams. Yeah, but it's it not can't be because that was because it's a completely different name. He and... would have probably said something like, "This is from a Buick. The short story that I pulled from a Buick." From. Well, and I mean, look at it up on the shelf there. Like, it's not a thick book, but it's definitely not a short story. Well, but he could have like. I started off with Mile Eighty One, and then had just a whole bunch of other adventures with alien car shaped alien. Yeah, that's true. Anyways. Anyways, um, so in preparation for this episode, I wanted to read some stuff that was by just Richard Chismar. Yes. And I, so I requested a copy of A Long December from the library, right. and it came in today. Nice. So I have not finished reading it, right. but I've read, it's a 
again, an anthology of short stories, and they're all very short. All based around Counting Crows songs, which is really interesting. Yeah, I thought so, too. Yeah, yeah it was very interesting that, that he was able to get, like, 50 short stories out of Counting Crows songs and, like, tie them all together so nicely. Yeah. Yeah, it was really uh, good. good job there. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> but, yeah, so I've read... Um, but not really. No, no, not really. I don't... At, as far, for as far into the book as I am, I have yet to see a Counting Crows reference other than the title. Yeah. But I haven't read very far. That's true. Have you read the title? I have, I have read the story? title. Uh, read the title oh, story? the title story? No, I have no. not. Um, but yeah, so I've read probably like 10 of them. And the problem that I have with short story collections, yeah. I read one and I get to the end of it. And half of my brain is like, okay, you have reached the end of this page. Turn the page and begin the next page. Yeah. And then the other half of my brain is like, no, we need to ruminate on this for a bit. Yeah. Um, so the one that I made you read when you got here, made, I didn't make you read anything. The one that I suggested that you read, that you read willingly. Yes. Uh, when you got here. I read it willingly. Is called The Man with X-Ray Eyes. It's the second yes. the second story in the book. Okay. Um, and I felt like it kind of gave a good idea of um, Richard's style as well as the types of horror that he writes, yeah, which I think is somewhat different from a lot of the types of horror that Stephen King is known for. Right. Um, we can delve into that further later, or we can delve into that now. There's some crossover. There's certainly some crossover in the one I read. I, I could see Stephen King writing a story with similar plot. Yeah, yeah. It would be... Um, Do we want to say what the plot of that story? 50 times as long, but... Yeah, it would be. <laughs> it would be the entire book. Um. Yeah, so uh, a guy talks about um, his mom. His uh, he's never seen a UFO. Well, yeah, he talks. He's at. I don't know why the first part happened. I need to I read it again. Were, probably there I was a funeral. There, yeah, I kind of made you rush through it. No, you didn't. I, I, I mean, I would need to read it again anyway. Um, there's a part like there's a beginning part where he's like at a funeral, and then I mean, maybe it's just to to show that his grandfather was important to him right um so he said he's never seen a ufo but he wishes he had and then it basically um it turns out that he uh since he was 16 has been uh killing aliens mm-hmm. um who quote unquote present as human right they look like humans but he looks in their eyes and knows that they're not real so he kills them yes and beheads them. And beheads them and preserves their skull. Yeah, like, re- yeah, removes all of the flesh from the skull. Yeah. And saves it in his grandfather's cabin. Right. So, basically, um, then he, uh, I think this is basically taking place at a, in a uh, interview room in a yeah. cop station. Yeah. Um, and so, basically, the, he tells the cops to go up to the cabin, and when they see the skulls, they'll understand that mm-hmm. he's been killing aliens. Well, and kind of the um, the the big kicker that happens here is that he's at Disney World. Right. And there's this little girl staring at him, and he's like, oh, she's an alien. Yeah. So he kills her. But what what I got from this is that when he stripped the skull, it was a human skull. Right. That's what I got from... Because he was like, she wasn't an alien. Right. It's the only time I got it wrong. Right. But I think he keeps killing after that? I think so. Yeah, because the, the, the lady... There was... He talked about some lady recently. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he's haunted by the fact that he killed this little girl who was not what he thought she was. But, okay, but you got... You... You are under the understanding that none of these people are aliens. Oh yeah. Oh okay, absolutely. Cool, 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 cool. No. Good, good, yeah. Good. No. He's like a crazy guy. Right. Um who killed a bunch of human being people. Right. Human being people. Uh-huh. Yep. I'm just that's, gonna own that. That's how you that's how you talk about people. Yeah. Human yeah. being people. Yeah. And yeah, and for whatever reason, I guess the psychosis glitched on him that day yeah and he was like oh no this is like a human skull i killed a little girl that's bad yeah but then he kept seeing the quote-unquote aliens right and stripping their skulls and they did not look like human skulls yeah and so he is and again i've read i read like 10 of these in very quick succession because i wanted to read as much as i could and didn't have time to ruminate much in between um so i may be blurring things together in my head but he's somehow caught by the police he's in this police interview room he's writing out a full confession right he's like yes i have killed these aliens right these were not people they were aliens go look at the skulls and you'll see yeah and then at the very end the aliens or the the police come in and they look very grim and he's like so they know they know that i that i'm right but, no, dude, yeah. they don't. Um, they don't. They I th- know that you killed a bunch of human being people. Right. I think that one of the things I really liked is in, in this kind of story, leaving conclusions to be jumped to uh-huh. is, is a strong move. Yeah. I think that not being like, not having like a police blotter from the cop who's like, this dude's crazy. Right. Whatever. Um. And just having it be sort of a creepy, like, oh, gosh, this guy thinks he's this thing, but, like, he's clearly this other thing. Right. Um, is, a, is a good way to go. Yeah. I, so most of the stories that I've read so far, actually all of them, seem to be dealing with horrors of, horrors, uh-huh. not horse. Right. Horrors of, like, the human psyche. Okay. So things like that. Okay. This guy who is killing people. Right. But thinks he's not. There's one with a teenage girl who is killing animals. Right. There's one with a guy who discovers that his son, who has just recently passed away, had boxes and boxes full of, like, child pornography. Oh. Like... It's like real horror, not like the Stephen King paranormal that not that all of Stephen King's horror is paranormal, but that's kind of what he's known for. This is not the Pennywise's and the Christine's. Right. This is the this is more along the lines of the carries to an extent. I mean, I know there was paranormal in there, but she was like Uh, horribly sexually abused. And yeah, yeah. Uh, or like Cujo. The, yeah, Cujo. Cujo was literally yeah, a, just a, a rabid dog. Yeah. Like, spoilers, it's a, it's a great coca- cocaine-fueled romp. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it, there's no, like, yeah, that magic dog. There's yeah. no whatever. Dude just gets rabies. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. So, yeah, it's sort of the horror in that life can be horrible. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what... The, all of the stories I've read up to this point, and I absolutely intend to finish the book. I yeah. have been really enjoying the book so far. Good. Um, so do we want to dive into Gwendy's button box? Yes. 
It's not a long book. I, re- I read it. I think we both read it in a day. Yeah. Yeah. It, I really enjoyed it. I I really enjoyed it too. Definitely while I was reading it. Yes. When I was thinking about it later, I was sort of feeling like it was missing, like that nothing really happened. Yeah. And it, yet. it A bunch of stuff happened, but it was sort of like, and I think that it being like 160 pages, mm-hmm. you couldn't flesh out things like I'm used to with Stephen King. Right. And, um, that, and I want to talk about that. But there was sort of like, it was almost like a, um, like a synopsis of a story. Okay. Like it was sort of like, here are vignettes from her life where weird this stuff happened. Plays a part. And then like time passes, she gets older. Anyways, now it's yeah. 1978 and whatever. Yeah. That sort of bugged me. After the fact, mm-hmm. during it, I was I was not bugged by it at all. Yeah, I I can I can see. I wouldn't say that I was bugged by it, but I definitely would not mind the unabridged version. Sure, right. I think yeah, and I think that the the box itself played more of a role. Like it felt like almost like um, there was a checklist of okay in each vignette uh, how she's doing, how much she's running. Uh, how popular she is in school, and what's up with the box. Where's the box? Right. And it was like, once we've met those four things, we can move on. Right. Whereas in like a full Stephen King just going ham on prose, it would have been like, remember the box? Yeah. I know that we've talked fully about how hard this English project was for her, but she also still has this box. So right. let's get back to so the box. Yeah. this is a story... This is Gwendy's button box. Right. This is a story right. about this box yeah. and the girl who is in possession of it. Right. The full-length unabridged version would be called Gwendy and her button box. Or the button box. And we just and we get to see several... Oh, see, I was thinking that it would be like, this is the story of Gwendy. Sure. I think, but I think what Remember I'm Remember how is... she has that box? Right. And here's some more story about Gwendy. Yeah. Hey, but do you remember the box? Right. I yeah. would have I would have loved that. I would love a series yeah. about the box. Yeah. That yeah. I think either way would have been would have been a more meaty bone to chew on. Uh-huh. Um I really enjoyed what was given though. Yeah. I did uh, too. Um I think that there were it was um I mean like basically plot synopsis ish. Yeah, I was going to say you going to give a real quick plot recap. Um it's the late 70s. This girl, Gwendy, whose name is Gwendy. It's not short for Gwendolyn. Right. Because her, her, na- her, her mom or her dad had a grandmother named Gwendolyn. And her mom had... Her mom really liked... Her mom wanted to name her Wendy from the character in Peter, Peter Pan. Peter Pan, right. And her dad wanted to name her Gwendolyn. Right. So they compromised with Gwendy. Right. Which is, I suppose, better than Gwendolyn. True. Right. True. Um, so she's sort of a... Um, a larger girl. Yeah. Um, and she's teased. I think she's called Blimp. Good uh, Goodyear. Goodyear by yeah. one of the kids in her class. So she takes up running. Upstairs. Yes. There's like this. <laughs> so they live. She lives in Castle Rock, Maine. Right. Which is home to many Stephen King 
It's like much of Stephen King's oeuvre. <laughs> yeah, there's like Castle Rock and Derry. Uh huh. Um, is Castle because Derry's um the bad place. I think Castle Rock is supposed to be the generally fine place. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So there's like this mountain slash hiking hill it's slash like a, overlook. Yeah, it's type like an thing overlook. Yeah, that has these steps leading up to it, and so she starts running up the steps every day and it starts out where she's you know just kind of walking up the steps and then she gets to where she's able to run for part of it and then run for most of it yeah and she starts over the course of this summer losing a lot of weight right and then she meets this man right who is named ferris i'm sorry mr ferris yes was it richard ferris did he have a first name yes and it was definitely it definitely started with an R because I think he's Randall Flagg. Oh. I'm not positive. The minute I read, yeah, Richard Richard Ferris, the minute that it described him like in black and wearing that black hat and said his name was Richard Ferris with the initials RF, I was like, is he a Randall Flagg? But he wasn't evil. Wasn't he? No. He wasn't good. He wasn't anything, really. Like, he wasn't... Yeah. He was reassuring where Randall Flagg would have taken a a sick pleasure. Right, but don't you think that giving her this device that may or may not allow her to do really bad things and not telling her for a fact, like, watching her... I think that there's a sick kind of pleasure in allowing that one could that he could take in allowing her to so live with this thing yeah. that she may or may not have done we should probably yeah, say what the say, thing yeah. is so it's a box that has um eight buttons on it yeah because it's um, one for each continent one that is a black button which quote-unquote destroys it all yeah and one a red button that is for whatever you want right and it also on the sides has two levers on each one lever on each side i think it's one for each continent except antarctica right right exactly yeah oh yeah yeah sorry yeah Yeah. exactly because there's not enough people on it right um one lever uh dispenses a chocolate animal like it's Mm -hmm. like i pictured it as like a little bit smaller than a hershey's kiss same, yeah, um, and like, but like really ornately yeah, detailed. Exactly. And every time you pull it, it gives you a different animal. Right. For years. Yeah, like I didn't realize there were that many yeah, animals exactly. in the world, but I guess there uh, are. I, like, Sometimes I wonder if she just got like a blob, and she was like, "I guess this lives way down yeah. deep in the ocean." Or like, no, this is a red-tailed sparrow. Yesterday <laughs> right. was a golden-tailed sparrow. Exactly. Totally different. Totally different sparrows. Um, and the other one. So every time you pull that, once a day, it gives you a little piece of chocolate. Um, that, that basically, is... it like you are for her. What it did was it made her memory better. It made her uh, satisfied by one helping of of food uh-huh. and not really wanting to snack or anything. And it quelled her desire for sweets. Right. So like one, that one piece of chocolate a day, she was like, "Man, that was really good chocolate, and I don't want any more." And I'm good. Right. The other one um, dispensed every now and again uh, silver dollars of a certain variety. 
Yeah, it was like a very like mint condition, very rare silver dollars. Yeah. Like probably there were not as many minted right. as she came into possession of. Right. Which should have flooded the market and right. co- caused their value to go down. But but that's besides the point. Well, except that she hoarded them. Right. So yeah. Um so she basically takes this box and so he says you have to press down really hard on the buttons, right. but that's good because you don't want to press them just sort of accidentally willy-nilly. or willy nilly. Right. Yes. And the, and what he tells her basically is, you know, there's a button for each continent. If you push that button, that continent goes bye bye. Right. I don't know if he, fl- I can't remember if he flat out, because again, I read this a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if he flat out says that or if he just heavily implies that if you push the button for South America, there's no more South America. Right. If you push the black button, there's no more anything. If you push the red button, you can push... The red button is the only one that you can push more than one time. Oh. Is that right? I think so. Did she only press the red button during the whole course of the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Even yeah. for Guiana? Yeah. Okay. She only pressed the red button. She okay. only pressed... Because, yeah, she, she found... she. Tried to find a place that was remote enough right. that it wouldn't do much damage. Right. And surprise, surprise, there were a bunch of people there who would not normally have been. Right. So, in your mind, this was a, like, a curse. Yeah, she's got this box that's like, you can push these buttons, but you shouldn't. Do you Like, feel- that kind of thing, like, you know... Here's this here's this amazing thing. Don't touch it. Like that would drive me insane. I would see I looked at it and the way he sort of wrapped it up when he took the box back from her. Right. Was I looked at it as he was giving it to her because she was a kick-ass person. And she it was sort of like what am I thinking of where it's like we gave you this responsibility because we know that you're the type of person that can handle it. I'm I, I'm blanking. It's kind of like John Locke with on Lost, but it's like. I was thinking Charlie Bucket. <laughs> kind of like. No, you know what? Actually, Charlie Bucket is a great example. You go for a slightly more poignant one and I'm like, right, like the golden ticket in Willy Wonka. Uh, but that's actually a little bit more of what I'm talking about, actually. I don't like the whole um, adults want to do things their way, only a child would do things my way, but... Right. um, Because that's... You've you've proven that you are worthy of this thing that I would like to Not thinking for yourself. Well... Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, sort of like she was so good that he knew that he could trust her to be the caretaker of this box because she wouldn't be like... You know what, Becky? You know what? Red button. Yeah. And I I think I had both I thoughts kind of warring in my mind. And again, I'm now that I have been my eyes have been open to the world of Stephen King Easter eggs. Yeah. I look for them in everything with his name on it. Uh-huh. So I may have just been like, same initials. Right. He's he's wearing black. He's the same it's the same guy. The, and and like I think that in you know, to your point, like if you've already established that Randall Flagg is a person that appears in multiple dimensions, right? 
why would you do an RF name and not have it have meaning? And make him a some whether he is actually a sinister character or right. not, he feels a little sinister right. showing up out of the blue and being like, "Hey, here's this magic thing, incredibly valuable, maybe not monetarily, but also monetarily because it gives her the money. Right? Here's this incredibly valuable thing. Yeah. Don't push the buttons. Did you feel like?" She was tempted to push the buttons. Yes. Interesting. But I felt like she was tempted in the way that anybody would be. Like, I mean, somebody gives you that box, you wouldn't have a moment of like, I'm not going to do it. But I really want to know what happens if I do. I'm not going to. But what would happen if I did? Kind of no. Really? Yeah. Like. I would like our listeners to weigh in on this because I feel like you might be in the minority there. I mean, and that's possible. And like, but see, I would have doubled down on dude. No. Did you like also the uh, refutation of of the Pennywise slash Forrest Gump? Um introduce yourself now you aren't strangers anymore and she says uh no uh knowing names isn't no it, it uh names aren't knowing yeah yeah i was like georgie hey georgie wherever you may be <laughs> right that's the answer to that uh-huh. yeah <laughs> exactly yes. names aren't knowing peace out my brother can make me another boat and <laughs> another right. boat yeah um but yeah, I, I I feel like you saying that you would not be tempted to push the buttons plays into like that is for me kind of the way you work. Like you set these random number generator things and you follow them. Yeah. Never mind if you actually want to listen to the podcast that comes up on them. You're like, well, I'm not really in the mood for that, but unless I don't. Sometimes I don't. Yeah, but it's so rare that you don't. I feel like once you set a rule for yourself, arbitrary or otherwise, you don't bend the rules. I think that's true. And I very think, often. So I would have Whereas said, yeah. I cheat all the damn time. Right. I'm doing this like fitness challenge thing and there are two teams that are ahead of my team right now and it's like based on like steps. And I really want to put my Fitbit on Torg's collar and take him to play with the puppy down the street. <laughs> Because these other teams have people training for marathons. Of course they're going to beat us. We need to stand a chance. Right. I just want to beat them one week. It's a six-week <laughs> challenge, and I just want to beat them one time. I, Even if I have to cheat to do it. I, just, I would absolutely want to push the button. <laughs> there, there's no yes, I think I would. I would want to push but the like, button. But what about the consequences of having pushed the button? Oh, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do I, I need to be very clear on that. If you told me, hey, here's a button that will blow up Australia, I would not push the button and blow up Australia. Leon and Tim. <laughs> but I would wonder if it would really blow up Australia. Yeah, I mean, I think like, this... Like, I would probably... I would sit there staring at that button for a really long time. Not because I want Australia to explode. Right. Leon and Tim, I would like you guys to say, stay safe and happy and not blown up. But I would be... Re- like, if you told me that's what this button does, I wouldn't... Especially if it's like some strange dude sitting on a bench when I come up to the Overlook... I'm not going to be like, oh, okay, I absolutely implicitly trust you, strange man. Right. Telling me that this button does this thing. Yeah. I'm not going to risk it. Yeah. I'm going to 
assume you were telling me the truth so that I don't accidentally blow up my friends Leon and Tim. But I would definitely still wonder if it would actually blow them up. And I think that's that's what happens. She, so this red button, you can use as many times as you want. She gets so tempted that she looks at a map and does a whole bunch of research and finds this tiny little country where she doesn't, that doesn't seem to be very heavily populated. And she's like, I could blow up one village in that country. Right. I could push the button while I'm thinking about that one specific small spot. There wouldn't be much in the way of casualties, but maybe the random explosion would get on the news. Right. And so she pushes the button and Jonestown happens. Right. For those who don't know, Jonestown was like a site of a mass like murder suicide. Um, the, the, it was the in South ter- Africa, right? Uh, no, in, no, uh, Guyana. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. South America, which I didn't realize yeah. it was down in South America. I don't know America. why I said South Africa. <laughs> I'm picturing South America. Johannesburg. That Okay, yeah. that's it. I was thinking that Jonestown was in Africa and that Guyana was in Africa. Cause there's, because there's, well, there's Johannesburg Ghana. and Ghana. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I'm not real up on my uh, murder-suicide history. I didn't know that I Jonestown guess. was so far... Even below Mexico. I thought it was in America. <laughs> I yeah. thought it was like a California thing. I, w- I was and like I, vaguely I, aware of Jonestown was a, like, you know, everybody drank the Kool-Aid that, type that, situation. That's where, that, and that's that where was, that phrase came from. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, but that's all I really knew about it. I don't think I really ever knew or thought about specifically geographically where it was yeah. located. But so she accidentally, well, no, she doesn't accidentally cause... She maybe accidentally causes Jonestown. She pushes the button thinking about basically Jonestown, Guyana. Right. And whether it, she was thinking about that specific town or just Guyana, but right. Jonestown happens. She So there's a... And so she she thinks that she caused Jonestown. Right. Whether or not she actually did, we don't know. This is actually an interesting um, callback to 13 Reasons Why. Well, okay. mo- well, mostly because of the next thing that happens where she may or may not have. Um, well, I guess she presses it for Jonestown to blow up the suicide stairs. Mm-hmm. And then at the end. Yeah. She didn't cause her friend to. Yeah. So as 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 Gwendy owns this box and loses more weight and become like she she's eating the chocolate frogs chocolate frogs the, yeah the, the chocolate the frogs chocolate and, that was at one point certainly a frog and, and other and it, it may have actually mentioned it as a frog in the book i don't yeah. know i just keep thinking of it as the chocolate frogs but sure. she she keeps eating these chocolates and so she is in great shape she's the fastest girl on her track team she's getting really good grades she used to have to wear glasses and all of a sudden her eyesight just gets better yeah and she doesn't have to wear glasses anymore. She's getting pretty. She's getting popular. Right. She's dating boys. And her best friend, Olive. Was it Olive or Olivia? I think it was Olive. I don't remember. Her best friend who, you know, like was her friend all through middle school when she was being called Goodyear and made fun of. Right. They just have drifted because Gwendy is now running in different crowds. Right. And Olive is resentful of the fact that Gwendy appears to no longer be the person that she was. Even though I think she... I don't think that she ever changed. I think that she was always who she was. I agree. But her circumstances changed. 
and her situation changed and she rolled with it. Right. And was willing to bring Olive with her, but Olive did not want to be brought. Right. I think it's interesting because so much of what happens in this book might have happened without the box. Exactly. As far as we know, no, because where's all the chocolate being stored? But, and also silver dollars from where? But like, some of the stuff could have happened anyway. Yeah. She could have continued running. She could have, you know, whatever. The magic chocolate probably helped her get in shape faster. Yeah. Because she was no longer tempted to binge on sweets and right. junk food. Right. Um, but she could have, you know, yeah. dieted and exercised without the chocolate. People grow up. Um, yep. And their bodies change mm-hmm. and their fashion choices change and their friends change. Yep. Also, friends sometimes kill themselves. Yep. Unfortunately. Did we say that that's what happened to Olive? Oh, so, yeah. She jumps off those suicides. Yeah. They're called suicide stairs because they're on the edge of a cliff and every once in a while people jump off the stairs, but it's like not often enough. Yeah. It's like maybe <laughs> once a decade. Yeah. I think it was actually once like every 34 years or something like it was certainly was like yeah. n- not enough for it not to be or I could be. It was enough. For, it was often enough for them to have become known as the suicide stairs right. and for people to be like, yeah, that's those are the stairs people jump off of to kill themselves. But right. not so often that they were like, we should probably take those stairs down. Right. Um, so her friend jumps off of them and then she uses the red button to blow up the stairs. Right. Um, because she doesn't want that to ever happen again. Right. Um, yeah. And the authority, like it's on the news and it's just like, yeah, the stairs just exploded. Super weird. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was it. Was that where the sheriff was? Or was the sheriff at the end? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think that's where the sheriff was. That's the sheriff from the dead zone in Cujo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, do- I double checked because I was like, okay. this is right around then. It's from, of course, before Cujo. Okay. Both of those are ones I haven't read yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I thought it was interesting when she met the, the guy that she was with for a while yeah. and she, I feel like I should remember his name cause I'm sure he was Henry, Harry. I want to say Harry. I'm going to, that might be right. I'm going to look that up. Um, Real quick. So she, she was a nice guy. I he liked was him. he was a nice guy. He was supportive of her. They they could do nothing, and it was and it was great, and all this stuff. And she stopped taking the chocolates. Harry. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, she stopped taking the chocolates. She lost her uh, like her first race in forever. She came mm-hmm. in third. She got some bees, and she gained six pounds. And what I thought was interesting was that she was like, yeah, okay, that's that's probably good enough. Yeah. Which is, which was a huge character shift from, in, in my mind, for her. Okay. It was a big, it was a big leap forward, I think, in terms of growing up where she for was her like. her to be okay with not being perfect. Not being perfect. Right. Exactly. Yeah. She was like, but I'm with this guy. Who's and that's, great. Who's great. And he doesn't care if I gain six pounds or don't get all A's or don't right. whatever. Not that, and please let me be very clear, not that the man in her life was who she needed to complete her or whatever. No, but She when made you... the decision that that the pie in her life was 
like the straight A part of the pie and the super skinny and the win every race pie. Right. She could sacrifice a little slice of each of those to work this awesome guy into her life. Right. Well, and I think there's something to be said for having the people you love love you in spite of any quote unquote flaws you may have. Not that being six pounds heavier than you were a few months ago is a flaw or getting a B is a flaw. Right. But, you know, for as perfect as her life had gone all through high school yeah i can i can totally see how she she, would she would consider those flaws but he loved her in spite of them and she was the only one who was pushing herself to Mm -hmm. do any of those things like her parents didn't appear to be overbearing or oh oh she also oh i just kissed the microphone oh um she also uh her parents were on the road to alcoholism yes and then one day they just sort of stopped yeah after she started taking the chocolates and stuff. Yes. So apparently the chocolates and the money were basically the payment for keeping the box. Right. The chocolates okay. made your made the and the box through the chocolates and through sort of just existing, I think, made your life better. It yes. shaped it into a good life and took right. away all the all the rest of the things. Which I think also played into because like if she'd been if it had been her friend that had the box mm-hmm. and the box hadn't made your life better she would have blown up gwendy i mean like she would have like you want the person that has the button to be in a great place in their life right um and so it was in the best interests of the experiment or whatever this was right to have her be in a good place there was a comparison to um basically the president and and russia and like, like her teacher was like, wouldn't it be weird if, if there was a button where you could blow up any place you chose? And she was like, there are. It, like Brezhnev has them and, and Johnson has them. Yeah. I read that and had to remind myself that this took place in the 70s. Right. But also it was written recently. And also, right. There are, right. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. There could be we are not a huge consequences. <laughs> um, right. Not a political con- podcast. Um, so anyway, so she, that was, that was sort of where she came from on that Yeah, was, um, you know, coming from kind of a good place, everything's working out, but she also let it slip a little bit, but then like there were consequences for that too. Right. Um, so Harry, well, I don't know. I don't want to spoil the end. Yeah, let's not spoil it. I don't think we need to spoil the end. So we we don't need to spoil every every little single bit of plot. Basically, she gets through her inter her tenure as the right. caretaker of the box. Dude comes back and says, "All right, I'm thanks take for it. watching the box." Yep. and she willingly gives it over. Right, and, and that's the end. Yeah, for the for the most he, part, that's he, it. he knows who's going to take the box next. Right, and like, he, he knows, knows who he's going to give it to next. He knows what's up with with the rest of her life. Yeah, um, but he won't tell her because. Paradox, destroy universes, right. Doc Brown type stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, this conversation, I I was absolutely convinced coming into this that he was Randall Flagg. Yeah, and I do see your point. I see yours too. I see th- there's no point. I want an answer. There's no point in putting an RF in a Stephen King story if it doesn't mean anything. Well, particularly when the character is an important character. Right. Who comes in out of nowhere. Right. Has a hand in something that could be viewed as sinister. Right. 
I mean, if it if it was like like if Harry's initials had been RF, right, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Right. If is Frank the guy the guy who called her Goodyear? Is that I think his name? So Frank Stone. Yeah, Frank Stone. If his initials had been RF, I would have been like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, ooh, not a nice person. Right, must be Randall Flag. And it's not like in Stephen King where like if you need a number, use nineteen. Right. Um. You could name them anything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So there's no reason to pick RF unless you are doing it with a purpose. I just didn't get a Randall Flag vibe from him. And again, I might just be now that I have enough knowledge of the Stephen King universe right. to look for Easter eggs, I might just be looking for them I, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think that it's fun to look for like I always I would look up every single name. In fact, I looked up um the road that she lived on. And I was like, God, I've heard this name before. And I looked it up and I was like, this is from when Aaron asked me if it was a thing yes. before. <laughs> because I swear it was the name of a road in eleven twenty two sixty three, right. but I don't think it actually yeah, was. I don't think so either. I think I was just looking for things. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Okay. How do you think the uh breakdown of co-authorship goes here's my theory okay hmm are you adjusting your theory as we speak i'm trying to think of how much i how much i still agree with this from when i thought of it before we started recording it feels like a chismar structure chismar concept okay it feels like It almost feels like Stephen King, like he, like for whatever reason, Richard Chismar decided to, and this is based on me having read that one short story. Right. Um, he decided for whatever reason he had this concept and he wanted to put it in Castle Rock. Okay. So that it's almost like a curse of the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Okay. Like. Which I felt like also was, and I know that J.K. Hey, Rowling had, had. We had an idea for more Harry Potter. Right. Can we can we write your can we write a Harry Potter story? And since you're the Harry Potter lady, we put your name on it. Or even like I have this idea for this time traveling thing. Oh hey, you, uh, you know what this kind of reminds me of Harry Potter a little bit. What if we used Harry Potter to okay deliver this story? Okay. I don't know what the point of doing. You know what? I read an interview with them. Oh, yeah? About this. I feel like... Do I need to pause so we can find it? It was on Goodreads, I think. Let's pause. All right. Okay, so we've looked up that interview, and uh, I am completely 100% wrong. <laughs> um, it's even cooler than that. Yeah, so... Yeah, so basically Stephen King had an idea, wrote half a short story... And then was like, or like even maybe like three quarters to five sixths of a short story. It was like, okay, uh, don't know really how to how to end this thing, right? So then he was talking. He apparently uh, emails and texts with Rich Chismar <laughs> um, all the time, and, and allows interviewers to call him Steve. Right. Um, they uh, got to talking about like collaborations, and he was like, I had the short story, and Rich was like, I'd love to read it. Which, by the way, kids, 
is how you do it. Yeah. Ask for the thing. The worst they can do is say, no, that's ridiculous. How could you possibly ask? Right. And all you have to do is live with the regret of having asked for the rest of your life. And it's like a small payment mm-hmm. of eternal torment. No, yep. but seriously, <laughs> take the shot. Always ask if you like to do the thing. You have Sometimes to ask. you just have to ask. Yep. So the next day, Steve, Stephen King, Steve King is to his friends. Steve. Um, <laughs> SK sends him a, sends him the manuscript of this half finished short story. Yeah. So basically, I guess the idea, and I wonder how much chismarring of the existing stuff Richard Chismar did. So that's, that's what I'm wondering. So before reading this article, my thought was, this feels like a Stephen King concept. Okay. Written by Richard Chismar. Yeah. I feel like the there's a lot of Stephen King in the prose, but I feel like the concept is the most Stephen Kingy part to me. I agree. Which is I agree. contrary to what you said before us reading I, the I agree. article. Like I feel like I felt here's how I felt before I read the article. I felt like Richard Chismar came up with an idea. And was like, you know, this reminds me of a, like a Stephen King type short story. Okay. What if we set it in Castle Rock? Let me shoot off an email. Right. Okay. That sort of thing. Where it's like, like I was talking about with Harry Potter. Like yeah. you sort of happen upon, you're like, what if we had like a guy and like his dad was like this big famous person and like, you mean like Harry Potter? Well, yeah, but different, like totally different. And then it turns out that Harry Potter that, is like, No, not actually not different actually. at all. <laughs> he has this friend named like Don. Wait, what? Um, so like that's how I that's how I imagined it. Because okay. the way that the story is paced feels like how that short story by Richard Chismar is right. paced. Well, and that's what I was gonna say. The yeah. the prose feels more Chismarian. Yeah. Less Kingian. Right. But it's clearly a Stephen King world. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. Knowing that this was, st- I mean, it may have been chismarred a little bit in the process, um, but knowing that this was a story that was started by Stephen King, you still think Richard Ferris might not be Randall Flagg? I think that he's not Randall Flagg. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't know if knowing that he was created by Stephen King would maybe push you in that direction I mean, a little bit more. It's, it's, it's like, well, you may cut this or not. It's like how I said uh, two weeks from now in the ghost episode yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Time travel. Um, like, to me, it doesn't make logical sense because of these sure. things. But also, uh, maybe. Why not? It's not hurting anybody for me to I be mean, absolutely convinced y- that it's the same person. It's sort of like, right, exactly. And, like, if that adds something to the story for you, also... There are, you know, sure. Why would you put? Why would you have put RF? Mm-hmm. These initials that are full of meaning, right? In this world, yep. If you didn't mean to, right? So, yeah. Unless Richard Chismar added that dude, it really depends on what section Stephen King sent him. Like, I, does she already have the box? I, I would put money on. Stephen King having finished at least through Jonestown from start to start, start to start there? to Jonestown because he says he didn't know how to end it right which leads me to believe that he had a mostly complete story with no ending and Richard Chismar was like well here's how we can end it and these are some tweaks we need to make 
on the front end right. in order to tie all of that together. But I would be willing to bet, and if anybody in the know is listening to this and wants to correct me if I'm wrong. Mr. Chismar. Mr. Mr. King. King. <laughs> um, I, I would assume just from that interview that we read and the way it sounded like things went, that Stephen King had a mostly complete manuscript that Richard Chismar added an ending to and maybe tweaked some along the way. Um, I think that, um, cause you could, but if the, if he was like, all right, here's what you do. Um, she doesn't find the box. She's given the box by this guy. We'll put him at the beginning. We'll put the hat all throughout and then we'll put him at the end. That's true. Like I could imagine you could write in a, a character. You could insert yeah. a character with that kind of, device to him yeah um that's no that's very true if if the manuscript started out as she she comes into possession of this box right that she found somewhere right um and then in that case rf could be just like a tribute that's true but it's a weird tribute sort of to like if it's a if it's just a tribute it's sort of like just name your 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 the mom Carrie or something like yeah don't right, Gw- you know. Gwendy Wise mother Penny right exactly <laughs> my mom Penelope was always telling me that I was just floating away on the clouds oh have you seen the um... yes I was just about to say have you driven <laughs> past the the nursery I took two very poor pictures of it I yeah I haven't been stopped at a place where i could get a picture there there's a uh, nursery like plants nursery yeah um near our near our houses Thank God. Y- yeah that every year they do like a halloween thing and have like a little pumpkin area and stuff and this year they their halloween decoration is a big giant clown which is usually a big giant grim reaper yes um and he's holding a red balloon instead of a Scythe? scythe? I think he usually holds a scythe. Well, yeah. yeah. Is that pitch. how you pronounce that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Scythe. Yeah. It'd be I mean, too it's, American Gothic if it was a pitchfork. Yeah. It's still the same face. Yeah. It's like a skull face. Yeah. But, you know, dressed like a clown holding a red balloon. And like, the first time I saw it, I got really excited. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. I think that um, you could have written someone in and, and named them in tribute to yeah. whatever, but... One thing I will say, though, so I've, re- I've read a handful of collaborate like collaborative novels yes um but all of those collaborative works were this person writes this character this person writes this character and so like if every chat if the chapters are from different characters perspectives it breaks easily yeah this i could not tell you oh this section was written by one of them and this other section was written by the other it flowed seamlessly to me i will say the the dialogue between Gwendy and Richard Ferris felt very Stephen King dialogue. Yes. So, and like, as sort of like, because like, I feel like a lot of characters in Stephen King's books have like, oh, I say this phrase, you know, this old phrase that Stephen King just like, that no one says, no. but like. <laughs> <laughs> no one says goats on toast, Stephen right, King. Right, exactly. Um I'm going to start saying goats on toast. There you go. You should. Now everyone will. It's that old, you know, that common old adage, goats on toast. Right. Um, 
and that felt that was the only place where that felt like that had that feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. But so okay, so this collaboration was very seamless. I thought so too. Yeah. Um you could tell it was Richard Chismar because it was way shorter. Uh-huh. So I'm James. <laughs> and, well, and and like both in length but also in scene style. Yeah. Like it it didn't and I mean some of Stephen King's short stories are not quite as prosy. Right. As some of his longer stuff and some Here of his short stories. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I like if you had told me that this was a Richard Chismar book, yeah. I would have been like, oh, cool. I bet he's a Stephen King fan. Right. If you had told me this was a Stephen King book, I would have been like, oh, weird. It's awfully short. They bound one of his short stories. Cool. Yeah. I, and that's, <laughs> that's what I would have yeah. assumed. Yeah. Yeah. But as a collaboration, I think it's. An excellent one. Can I ask you one more question before uh-huh. we go? It took place in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Was that only because in the late 70s, Stranger Danger was like a kind of a general, you should probably not talk to strangers thing? Or would cell phones have ruined this? I think cell phones would have ruined this. I also wouldn't be surprised if it was set in the 70s because he wanted to use Jonestown specifically. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That makes sense. If he was like, yeah, this thing happens and she's going to blow up uh, Joe Jonestown, which means that it takes place in this time. And maybe it's like... But I do think that cell phones would have made this... Well, I mean, would they, though? I don't know. Because like, I feel like they're a disaster. I mean, it may be that you want to have so, sort of a remove from... You don't want to be like, Gwendy caused... I think the internet would have made this difficult. Can you imagine Gwendy has access to GeoCities? Right. And Sparkle Text. And quote-unquote anonymous I'm sorry, internet websites. What is Sparkle Text? Oh, like, did you ever go on, uh, well, you may not have been on the same types of, like, Newsies fan fiction type websites that I went on when the internet first showed up at my house. But, like, you know, the text that sparkles. Like. I, I think I missed that one. Like, animated, just oh, twinkly. Oh, oh, it wasn't a website. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, no, not. not... I thought it was, like, sparkletext.com. No, no, it was, like. All of her fonts sparkle. <laughs> Everything <laughs> no. sparkles down here. Oh, I'm probably getting the sewer. Um, <laughs> for the but, makers of Twilight, it's it. Oh, God, no, no. Stay away from the sewer. Twilight. Oh, no. That was pretty good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but yeah. But or, yeah, if she... Uh, like, she discovers the message board of the people that have had the box before her or... Oh, oh well, now that's interesting. I yeah. was thinking more like, hey, I'm going to... I need to tell somebody about this thing. I'll right. create an anonymous live journal. Right. And then it's found out that she I mean, is the one writing it, and Richard Ferris, aka Randall Flagg, comes back and does bad stuff because right. he's Randall Flagg. Right. Um, no. Now, having discovered a message board of previous owners of the box, yeah, I would read that book, like the Button Box Club. Yeah, I would read that story. That could be really interesting. That I mean that would be a way to tell this story. In a different format mm-hmm. to have it be like a live journal post or like a yeah. message board post and stuff. Well, if it was a live journal, like somebody would absolutely have 
the only way I can see this story going with the internet existing is either there's this secret forum of people who've had the button box. Right. And the authorities have not found this forum. Or teenage girl thinks she's being anonymous. Somebody finds this thing saying, I think I caused Jonestown. Right. The authorities trace it back to her. Right. And she ends up probably committed. Yeah. Or having some kind of experimental shock treatment or something. Right. But it wouldn't end well for her. Right. Yeah. So I think that's interesting why it was set when now it was Now I want to read those stories, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you should check out Gwendy's Button Box. It was a, it's a super quick read. It's so quick. And it's, I, I really, I really, really liked it. I really liked it, too. I think... It was not a typical Stephen King read mm-hmm. in my mind, but I think that I, I really I enjoyed it as much as a Stephen King short story. I yeah, think. you should also check out. I mean, based on what I've read so far, you should check out "A Long December" by Richard Chismar. I I really um, am enjoying it so far, and yeah. it's a thick book, but I think I'm going to read it quickly because short stories. Cool. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Cemetery Dance Publishing published Wendy's Button Box. Right. 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 Um, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. why not? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I got this one, Steve. Don't worry about it. I meant interesting, like, in a good way, as in the, like, you know, I'll, I'll publish this one. Yeah. I not, wonder if because it was way. a collaboration, Stephen King's, like, publishing contract didn't cover it. Oh, that's true. I wonder if, if his contract is, like, I wonder who published Sleeping Beauties. I don't know. I'm I'm, like... One of 75 people waiting on 35 copies at the library. Right. Um, I think that's all I had. That's all, that's all I've got. Okay. Uh, we have social media, and one of the places is on Facebook. Uh, we have a group called Unabashedly Obsessed with Unabashedly Obsessed. Um, I will admit you, like, so fast. I can't remember the last time I got to admit a person to the group. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, James will admit you super fast. Yeah, and we come if you on. You send us a request, and 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 there's there's fun discussions, and we, we play games sometimes, and yeah. post pictures, and it's a fun time. Yeah, if you prefer us in abbreviated form, which we get, <laughs> and and by abbreviated form, I mean lots and lots of messages that are only 140 characters long, because. We do go on a bit. Right. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at UFO Podcast. Today, the F stands for... Ferris. Flag. Oh, same difference. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am at Unabashed James. And I am at Unabashedly Aaron. Uh, if you want um, sort of a one-on-one thing or a one-on-two thing, I guess, uh, you could email us at unabashedlyobsessed at gmail.com. Indeed, you can. Um, you could come to our website, unabashedlyobsessed.com. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same one as the WordPress one, but less letters to type. Uh-huh. Um, and you could comment on the blog post for the episode. Sure. That's always fun. Yeah. Um, you could join our Patreon. Yep. Patreon. Unaba- uh, oh. yeah, not unabashedlyobsessed.com slash Patreon. <laughs> the nope. opposite. The opposite. Patreon.com slash unabashedlyobsessed. There's lots of cool tiers. We are possibly testing out a thing this month where we write some bonus content yeah i have i think i have my i apparently do write outlines but only in my head oh good Um, hey that's yeah sometimes all you need i think i I think i'm i think i have what i'm gonna write down excellent we've i want to tell them 
We've okay. given each other topics for yeah, this bonus thing. Yes, we have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you should join that. And that and and newsletters should they come out when they come out are for everyone from the one dollar tier on up. Yep. Uh, then five dollar level is we give you recommendations. And you have a chance to win one of those. And uh, $2 is you get a postcard. Yep. Um, and at any level, you get a shout-out. You get a shout-out at any level. And, and and we don't just, like, say your name. We, like, talk about you and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. As much as we can. If, right. I figure at some point we'll get to a, a place where we're like, hey, we got a Patreon. I don't know who this person is. Yeah. When we have, like, a billion listeners. And that's when we start making up stories about you. Yep. <laughs> um. Well, thank you to Jamie Shaheen for our theme song, Did You Guys Know There Was a Ladder Down Here? You can find Jamie and his band A Silent Few on YouTube. And thank you also to Emily Cardamus, who did our logo art. You can find her on Twitter at Corrupted Gem. This has been a collaborative episode of Unabashedly Obsessed. I'm James. I'm Aaron. Smoking kills. And so do pennies. And sometimes the red button. Don't press the red button. Just don't do it. Don't press it. Oh no, you pre-